is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, I'm Bran. I love Hallmark movies. Hey, I'm Panda, and I like Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. Hi, and I'm Doug Jones, and I don't just love, I live for Hallmark movies. <laughs> and, and this is the Deck the Hallmark podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Another Thursday, another day, uh, a good day, I think, to be alive. Am I right? Oh, Oh, yeah. You nailed it. Um, And it's an especially fun day because today is the day that I think we have been hoping for, praying for, ever since we got to talk to this fellow two years ago. The, The truth about this is, I mean, we do have the legend himself, Doug Jones, on, but the truth is, is that he's been trying to get into Hallmark movies for a long time. And Hallmark, the brass, has talked to us, even though we're not affiliated at all. And they said, once you do one of your interviews with him, then we can put him on on the Hallmark channel. Fair. So this yeah, is the last. This is the last hurdle. Uh, actor, monster extraordinaire, Doug Jones. How are you doing, sir? I am good, and I'm always happier when I'm talking to you guys. I mean, you, 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 you make my life happy. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's what we're Just here for. Two kinds. That's what we're here for. Um, and we're only, uh, I mean, we're gearing up. It's almost September. The Christmas movies will be here before you know it, Doc. Can you believe it? Oh, don't I don't I know it, baby. Yes, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching all the ads myself on TV going, oh, I can't wait. So uh, no, <laughs> traditionally, you get to have a break right around Christmas from your filming schedule. Has COVID kind of messed with that since everything's been pushed back? Right. Well, uh, uh, it looks like I will be back in Toronto filming uh, the next season of, of Star Trek Discovery at some points. And, and I, but, uh, but they, uh, they promised we'll get to come home for Christmas. But the problem with coming home is that when you go back to Toronto, you got to mm-hmm. quarantine for another two weeks. Oh, my goodness. So I, 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 hopefully they'll be allotting for that kind of time. Man. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. What a, what a wild time to be, uh, be alive, be acting. But uh, we're happy that you're able to get back to work. Have you sure. had yeah. something you've, you've had something, were you in a, a, what we do in the shadows this season? I've not watched this season yet, but I heard you come back somehow. No, I was, I didn't, I, there was talk of me coming back in season two, but I, uh, but no, they, they, we weren't able to work it out schedule wise okay. because I was filming discovery at the same time. Yeah, You're so. a riot in that show, by the way, which we'll get to later. I love, I love Thank what you. we do in the shadows. I, I had the best time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Such a fun time. Um, have you had something come out in 2020? Like something just released this year, like that you've been uh, in. That, wow, I you know I've been I've been I've actually I've been I've been holed up in in, in my in my private space at another another location writing a book. So wow. I, I, I do I have? Am I still an actor? <laughs> well, the, the reason um, that I was asking is because I was going to say that you've been performing on the screen in four decades. 80s, yeah. 90s, 2020s, uh, uh, oh, my bad, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, five decades, wow. but I wasn't sure if you have something out yet in 2020 to say that officially or not. That is funny. I, uh, I'm i sure Star Trek aired in 2020, right? Well, no, uh, uh, season two was already done, I think, but season three starts airing October 15th. So, so you yeah. will have so something well. out in five decades. Amazing. How does that is make that you right? feel? Yeah. That, that boy, do you want to make a fellow set old? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go back five decades then, because uh, you've played a lot of monsters, you've played a lot of fun characters, uh, but at some point you were just a child with a dream. Uh, so take us uh, take us back to that time uh, when you were a kid. When did you first start to feel this desire um, to perform in some way, and how did that eventually manifest itself into acting on on screen? When did that happen for you? Right. Let's go back, shall we, in time. To <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I'm the youngest of four boys, a tall, lanky, gangly, non-athletic kid. My three <laughs> older brothers were very athletic kids and very handsome. And I was so I was kind of like the gangly, hey, nobody knows what to do with me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody out there can relate. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But, so, uh... So I was, uh, uh, and growing up in the Midwest uh, as as a not not mainstream looking person, other kids are very. Uh, it's very easy to make fun of someone like me, and and so they did. And I so I kind of developed a sense of humor as a 
as a defense mechanism, right? I, I could then control when and why they were laughing at me. Right. Uh, so the performer in me came out, and what inspired that performer in me was what I took in as a kid. Variety shows like The Carol Burnett Show, uh, movies like anything Jerry Lewis or Danny Kaye were in, um, uh, goofy, goofy People. When I saw Goofy People on film and TV was just like, oh my gosh, Gilligan's Island, uh, Gomer Pyle, uh, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, Bob Newhart, uh, you know, funny, uh, I Love Lucy. I want to. I just absorbed all of mm -hmm. their comedic timing, all of their putting their their goofiness to good use, and that's what kind of inspired me. That maybe maybe there's a place for me, you know, once I once I'm an adult in this world. Uh, so, so I got involved with every every high school production I could get into. If it was a pep rally with a skit, I was in it. If it was a fall play, I was in it. If it was a spring musical, I was in it. Um, and uh, and then I went to college at Ball State University in Indiana. And now my parents were um, were very uh, uh, level-headed Midwesterners uh, that that told me mm, you, if you're if we're helping you pay for college it's not going to be a theater degree <laughs> right yep. and, and, and you know any responsible Midwestern parent should say that to <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I uh, so I majored in radio and TV broadcasting oh. to, to end up one day maybe doing what you guys are doing all right. Uh, and uh, it, and it, it was still like in the wheelhouse of oh you know I'm doing something learning how to be on camera learning how to say things uh, learning how to write things and produce things uh, so I was on that kind of a track uh, and I, I had a minor in theater but you know but major minor didn't matter what I found was a mime troupe on campus oh boy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Man, if you're the, not uh, watching on friendly TV right now, Doug is excited about this mime troop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. I didn't know what it was at the time. But I, uh, I lived in a dorm, and there was. I was a freshman, and and a senior lived in the dorm down the hall from me, and he was kind of observing me a lot, and and saw my tall lankiness, and saw how expressive I was. Because as you've noticed right now, I can't talk without my mm, hands. Right. So and my face is going all over the place. So he uh, he one day asked me in the dorm, "Do you know what mime is? And would you want to come see one of our shows?" So the 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 mime troupe on campus was called Mime Over Matter. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. can't even be mad at that. No. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm always up for a good pun. And. Uh, and so I went and saw one of their shows, and sure enough, it was mesmerizing. I, I saw this this troupe of like ten people, you know, doing different skits that made me laugh and made me cry. And not one prop was used, not one word was spoken. Uh, uh, so it was an art form that uh, kind of I so I auditioned for the troupe, made it in, and that's what I did for I, I, I was the mime guy on campus for four years, and then I uh, so that kind of woke up my entire body to storytelling from head to toe and, and, and discovering and learning how to convey nonverbal dialogue. Hmm. So uh, I had no idea what kind of training that was going to be for the career I was going to have. And the other thing that happened in college, too, that, that set me up, that set up the, the, the dominoes for my, for my career, they're now falling down, <laughs> <laughs> was... Uh, it's not the COVID. Uh, was uh, <laughs> was uh, the uh, uh, oh I was I was the mascot at Ball State University. I was Charlie Cardinal. Wow! So, congratulations. Wow. Did you just yeah, go around you. bragging about that, or was that like a secret while you were on campus? At, at the, I bragged of that. Oh yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's to compensate for the miming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody hates mimes, they're going to love it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Let me ask you this, Doug. I don't mean to steal the, the narrative thunder there, but you got very, like, middle-of-the-road, blue-collar, Midwestern parents. You come home from Ball State for a weekend, and, you, <laughs> and they've made you get an actual degree and not a theater degree. No offense out there, theater people. And you say, Mom, Dad, you're paying for school. I've joined the mime club, and I'm the mascot. How's that going? Oh. I, I can one up you too on that. I, I I also invited them in May of my freshman year to come see the spring dance show that I was in uh, with the, the folk dance troupe called the Bonavokes. <laughs> I, I had learned folk dancing from around the world, and I was in this troupe. And uh, but here's the thing: here's the thing. My dad, my very my very uh, you know. Um, 
live by the rules, uh, very, very conservative dad told me after that show, that's the, the, I think this is, I think you found your niche, uh, seeing you on stage wow. was what you came alive and, and, and the, the show was a really slick production. Uh, I think you'd be an idiot to not pursue that. Wow. wow. You're going to make me cry, Doug. That's a, that's oh. great. That's fantastic. <laughs> How about your mom? Was she on board at that point or did that take a little more? No, nah, mom just owned them. <laughs> 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 my, my mom took a lot more time, uh, you know, because I, I not, and not, it wasn't so that she was embarrassed to say, oh, I have an actor who's a son, but she called me her struggling actor son <laughs> until, uh, you know, uh, a few years ago. But uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> I, I mean, even, even when I, when I, ha I started in TV commercials uh, and, and I was doing, I was doing like, like back in the late nineties, I, I, uh, I did like 14 commercials in one year. So, I mean, I was, had a career going, uh, and I was already known as monster guy by then in, in the creature effects world, but it wasn't anything. I was not in anything on, on any of the TV programs that she watched. Yeah. So therefore, <laughs> uh, you know, I was a struggling actor. What's the uh, most memorable commercial you were on? Like that you could probably still remember the lines from today. Oh, I can't remember lines from anything. I can't remember anyone else's or my own. Uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble with the lines of, for the movie I'm in right now. But but uh, uh, it would be the, the Mac Tonight campaign for McDonald's. Wow. Uh, the Crescent Moonhead that was... Uh, yeah. That was, that was one, one of my early gigs. I, that was my, my fourth commercial booking. And that turned into a huge national, international campaign that ran for about three years. I did I did 27 commercials for McDonald's. Wow. Do you, get, do you get paid more when the commercial goes international, or is it just a one-time fee to be on the commercial? No, no, no. You get, you, uh, the, the wider it goes, the more it plays, a, a residual structure is in place. And oh, so wow. I, I got... I got like a royalty or a residual. Yeah, I hear that Dennis Haysbert, who does the nationwide commercials, like that's just how he keeps the lights on and pays the bills so he can do whatever he wants with the rest of his time. Right, yeah, yeah. So so there there was a time when I was making more money. I, I mean, when my mother was still calling me a struggling actor, I was making more, more money than my PhD brothers, right? So it's like... <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm true. But, you know, I, I will tell you, the day that she, that she kind of turned the page on her, on her, how she thought of me, she was at the beauty parlor in Indianapolis, Indiana, <laughs> getting her hair did. You got it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think, and she, one, her, her stylist was, was, you know, working on her and saying, oh, and talking to one of the other girls. Oh, I just saw, I just saw Hellboy. Oh my gosh. I love that movie. So, and my mom is like, wait, I think my son's in that. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl was like, what, who's your son? What is he? What, what is he? Well, okay, he played, um, uh, he played, uh, oh gosh, it was, a, it, 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 it wasn't human. He was uh, <laughs> uh, like a blue, uh, you know, fishy. Uh, the girl goes, your son is Doug Jones? <laughs> and, and my mother's like, well, Yes. And then, then, so this girl starts going around, you guys, you guys, this is Doug Jones's mother. <laughs> That's fantastic. My mother was quite, quite taken with herself. And so, <laughs> and so from that day forward, uh, uh, she dropped the struggling part from my title. I would have very happy about that. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. So when did you decide, did you have, well, I had a, a quick mime question Okay, because yeah, this is true. Dan and I, have watched a good bit of miming. We on, find these old mime videos hilarious. Of, of like, like there's there's like there's mime camps where at the end they do um, presentations. It's like their final presentation to a like a, a Christian song from the early two thousands. <laughs> it's always one of those. It's great. It's great. And mime camp's great. Um, <laughs> but what I've noticed with miming is you know some mime. Uh, mimers uh, have their face painted. Some don't. Some wear gloves. Some don't. Can you tell me about the differences in between the different, um, maybe the different uh, types of yeah. mimes and what like is? Are you telling a different story depending on how you're dressed or what? what tell me all about the mimes. Is what I'm trying to get at. Oh, if only I was a mime scholar, oh. I could answer this question. But. Um, <laughs> I, we, we, uh, what I learned and, and the, 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 that senior in college who, who got me into the mime troupe, Reed, Reed K. Steele was his name. This, we're still friends to this day. Lovely, lovely fellow. Uh, he was a student 
of a student of Marcel Marceau. Oh wow! So, so, so training-wise, I'm kind of a, a a a like a great grandson of of Marcel Marceau's style. Wow. So, uh, and he was kind of the father of modern mime. So, the, yes. So we, we were the uh, white face painted with the black lines around the, you know, the, to accentuate the the facial features. White gloves, black leotardy kind of, uh, clo- yeah, classic, classic mimey. Um, and now what you were talking about, uh, you'll often see in youth ministries that travel the world uh, uh, that want to, you know, communicate uh, the good word to like a, a third word world country. Yeah. And that's a great way to, to go across language barriers is when you learn like like skits that have have a, a, a visual meaning to them that can communicate to anybody in any language. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that, that comes in very handy. Interpretive uh, movement, and, and, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, imagine, though, that miming really helped you develop even further being uh, t- kind of telling a story as, as a monster, lots of times you're telling based off of your, your face or what you're doing with your body. I imagine a lot of that was, was at least learned in part to miming, which is phenomenal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, uh, you know, cause when, uh, you know, I, I learned the, the value of a, tilt of the head. Yeah. I learned the value of a, of a, of a splay of the fingers, you know, <laughs> all that kind of thing came from the mime training for sure. Wow. Yeah. So how do you, are your dad at the end of your freshman year is like, Hey, this is the career you should pursue. You're doing the, the mime thing. You're in, you know, you're the mascot. At what point do you say I'm graduated, I graduated from ball state. At what point do you say, I'm going to pursue this full time. I'm going to move to Hollywood, get an agent or any of those things. Like how does that transition happen? Well, uh, first of all, let me go back to that conversation with my dad uh, at the end of my freshman year. Uh, uh, now, this this is where the tears are going to come. I'm sorry, but uh, that was the last conversation I ever had with him because he had a heart attack two year two weeks later. Oh my, oh my gosh! gosh. And, pa- and passed away at the age, at the ripe young age of fifty. Oh my goodness! So, uh, so that was that was a very a very tragic Jones family incident. But um, uh, but th- those being his final words to me. Uh, wow. Help push me forward to oh to to never give up the dream. Um, when I finished college, I, I, I was 22 years old. My first my first gig out of college was uh, working at Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had street performers there at this theme park with roller coasters and things, and they had live shows and walk around characters. And so I was a mime that walked around International Street. They had a a scaled down version of the Eiffel Tower and fountains, and that's kind of where I was the French mime. Um, <laughs> Entertaining, entertaining, like you know, uh, Midwesterners who were going to a theme park for the day. I'm not sure they wanted to see a mine, but <laughs> but, but that's what I was hired to do. Uh, so uh, uh, and that was like so that was their summer season into the fall, and then when that ended, I was like, now I got to now I got to find out what I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do as a job and how am I going to feed myself. So I ended up uh, uh, finally getting a, a job at a newspaper in northern Indiana, a little town called North Manchester, and their new, their paper was called the North Manchester News Journal, and it came out twice a week wow. on Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, and uh, and I was their director of advertising, which was a great title for a 22 year old recent college college grad. Uh, so uh, so I was kind of like you know I was selling advertising space and then I was helping design it. And I thought, you know, that, that was so. There was some art involved, but in this small town, I, uh, I I thought like, okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wear a tie. I'm gonna carry a briefcase, and I'm gonna be a responsible adult with a job, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, the the light here's here's the small town thing that happens, which I love, and this is why I love Hallmark movies so much. Uh, uh, the the local librarian at the at the library just a block away from the newspaper office called the newspaper one day because the newspaper put out an, an article. Our brand new advertising director is Doug Jones, comes from Ball State University, but they did a big article on me to, to uh, help introduce me to the town. Librarian calls the newspaper, asks for me. Hi, Doug. I uh, I went to Ball State the same time you did. Are you still doing mime? Because that's what I was known for. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah. I mean, I can. I've got the, my my kit with me and my my, my costume. When do you not have your kit kit with you if you're yeah, a mime? You have to. Thank you. you have yeah. to. Right. You you understand. You got your it's wallet. Like you got your tire. phone. You got your keys. You got your kit. That's right. It's it's you know it's a different it's state like of mind. A spare tire in your car. Absolutely. <laughs> You never know when you'll have a mime emergency. That's right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, so my answer was, yeah, um, yeah, I can. 
Well, uh, we have a you know Tuesday afternoon reading hour with with kids. Can you come in for the reading hour and do a, do a little mime performance instead? I'm like, yes, I can. So I had to ask time off from my boss at the newspaper. He's like, can you have time off? Of course, and we'll send a photographer with you. So, <laughs> so I ended up uh, doing this little mime gig for the for the uh, for kids at the library. Uh, in town, which was an old converted house, uh, very hallmarky, <laughs> and uh, and um, so I was the I was the front page on the next issue of the newspaper. Huge picture of me going, <laughs> you know, in my mime makeup, and uh, and sure enough, the phone call started coming in. Can you come perform at the Kiwanis Club annual dinner? Can you come perform at the Cub Scout troop? Can you per- come perform at our church? Can you come perform at the school thing? Can you be a part of our parade? Small towns need yeah. entertainment for all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. so it, I became that was my moonlighting job. Then I started. I started. Be, I was a, a, a prefer that. So that kept the artist in me very much alive. That I would kept planning shows, and and uh, I came up with new material for Chris. I did a whole line of Christmas shows uh, dedicated to the the month of December. Every year, so I don't, I lived in this town for two years and and became like the guy that the go-to entertainer in the town, which was hilarious. Wow, um, yeah. And then during that time is when I got married too. I uh, my my lovely college sweetheart, Mrs. Uh, 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 Lori. Uh, she um, uh, we got engaged before I before I graduated, and then so by the time she graduated, uh, I had already put in like a year and a half at the at the newspaper. And uh, and so once we got married, we were there. We were less than less than a year later. Uh, we are in a car with all of our belongings, traveling out to California for me to take a job at a bank. There's another story. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well, you, what, you I, went to California to take a job at a bank, but did you really do it so you could try to get into the business? Yes, of course. you're on to me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe anyone would try that in Hollywood or Los Angeles. That's wild. That people would maybe like be a barista or a bank teller uh, and try to do some things on the side. So how? So you get there, you get the bank job. How? Like, yeah. did you get an agent? Did you just start going to auditions? No. What'd you do? Not, not, yeah, not right away. Uh, yeah, the, the bank job was was actually because Mrs. Lori had a, an uncle who worked at Security Pacific Bank. They they they're they're no more. They were absorbed by Bank of America, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he said, "Hey, send me send me your resume, and I'll see if I can get you in the." And so uh, he he gave them my information. I did a phone interview with the bank, and then I flew out on my own dime and did an in, in person interview. I interview well, unfortunately, <laughs> so they hired. <laughs> Come out so, to get a job at a bank. You had to have a phone interview and an in-person interview. Yes, but it was for it was for a management training. Uh, okay, program. okay, all right, all right. There you go. Yeah, so it, there was there was a reason. <clears throat> and when I so when I got out uh, to Los Angeles and uh, we moved and I started this job, it was a nine-month training program. I was going to do in-branch training, some corporate-level training, some. So there was something going on every day, but a lot of it was was hands-on in the branch, supervising tellers, learning how to hold a wad of keys and be responsible for a vault full of cash and stuff, mm. and uh, all things actors shouldn't do, by the way. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, at the end of the nine month training program, I was going to roll out of this and in, into a branch of my own and be the operations officer nice. of a bank branch. Well, month eight, one month before this was supposed to happen, uh, they were on to me. I hadn't learned a thing. I didn't <laughs> care. Right? I had been acting like a banker this whole time. And uh, so, so yeah, so they, uh, my, my, my training supervisor had to come to the branch I was in and do the whole, we love you, but we can't keep this going, hon. So I said, no, thank so I, I think I think I might have teared up for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I was then I was relieved out of my mind. I didn't have to be a banker anymore. So uh, so I went on unemployment and uh, got home and told Mrs. Laurie, well, got fired, and she was like, oh, thank heaven, right? Because she, <laughs> she lost a piece of me during this guy, you know, feeling stupid every day, not knowing banking, and uh, and that's when I uh, we decided, uh, well, we came out here for the showbiz, so let's see what that has to offer. Uh, so I, uh, I started looking for acting classes, uh, even though I had a theater, uh, you know, my theater minor in my degree, I didn't know much on camera, mm. 
uh, acting and I, and, and it had been, you know, had been learning that, that TV commercials might be a place to start, but I knew nothing about that format and how to, so I took a TV commercial acting workshop. I audited about five different classes. I went back to the one that, that, that sang to me where the instructor, like I connected with him. And after my second class with this instructor, he came up to me and said, do you have an agent yet? <laughs> I said, I don't know what an agent is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so he, he then said, well, here's my card. Call me at the office. He was the vice president of the Wilhelmina agency. Wow. Wilhelmina. I knew that name. It's a huge modeling agency in New York. They have a West coast office that had a huge TV commercial department in the top 10 in the city. And here he is, the vice president of the of the uh, corporation, as saying, "Like here, come come talk to us." I was, I was baffled that I just fell in. I didn't have headshots taken yet, no resume wow. put together, nothing. So, so my my start in the business was a bit easier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, so they started sending me out on TV commercial auditions right away. Uh, maybe about once a week, I was a non-union actor. And the first thing I booked uh, was about six months later, the same week that my unemployment checks ran out. My goodness. I booked my first commercial. That's, that's you know, the a kind of a God's timing thing. Man, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so, uh, and then the, that first commercial was, I was a dancing mummy mm. in a Southwest Airlines spot. Wow. <laughs> so a monster from the very beginning. I, I, that was, again, boating of things to come. I was just like tickled pink to get any kind of a gig. Hmm. Yeah. And so you're in like you're in a few things like in Living Color, you're an episode. But then all of a sudden in 1992, you get to be a, what I imagine because I don't remember you in Batman Returns, but you were in Batman Returns. Yes, sir. That was my that was my first uh, uh, like studio. Yeah. This movie, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton. This is a big deal. How'd you get that role? And what was that like? Oh, okay. So that was, mm, that, but leading up to that, I had done a couple of horror films. I did something called Night Angel and uh, with Karen Black, and yep. I did uh, oh oh a, a piece of a piece of crap that went straight to straight to the VHS oh. called the Newly Deads. Yeah, <laughs> see, that, yeah, nineteen eighty eight. That's the thing that there, uh, that has you in the eighties. Yep. Right. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we have had, so I had worked some and, and done some commercials. So, uh, but but when I I hit a lull after the Mac Tonight commercials uh, campaign, that three year period of, of like, uh, oh, I'm on TV every day in a moonhead. I'm I'm <laughs> something huge. Uh, when that went away, it the campaign ended. I had a lull in, in where I, I of unemployment, and I was getting a little bit scared. And so I uh, no I I, I accepted uh, some background work as an extra in uh, in a huge movie called Hook. What? Yeah, yeah. You were uh, in Hook? I was in Hook. I, I, I had to grow my hair out, and my hair is naturally very curly, so my hair was getting longer curly, had to grow a beard, and I was, uh, so I was very light blonde, long curly, and a very reddish beard. And uh, it, uh, so, I was a vendor, a pirate vendor. I yeah. had a, an eye patch, an eye patch, um, you know, cart like it's like a cigarette <laughs> cart around my neck, and uh, so I was in Pirate Town for for many scenes and took, uh, for about three months. So I was I was making a little bit of money for three months, but that saved my year. Uh, so so while I was on that, uh, one day on the set, I hear Doug. And of course, I didn't look like myself. I had this long, huge, <laughs> long blonde wig and a huge full beard. No one had ever saw me like that. And someone's saying, Doug, I turn around and it is a stuntman friend of mine, Bob Yerkes. He's a stuntman legend in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's in his late 80s now and still working. Wow. So that's what the legend this man is. But he's uh, he's known for doing circus uh, uh, he grew up in the circus. He left home at 15 and joined the circus in real life. Wow. Uh, and so he, he became an acrobatic, uh, you know, trapeze guy and a shooting people out of a cannon guy. So anytime any movie needs circusy things, he's the one who supplies the people and the equipment. Um, <clears throat> so I, and I know him from, uh, he and I were in a, um, uh, in a, an, an actor's Bible study together. So we knew each other from a thing. Huh. Uh, and then, but I hadn't seen him and I hadn't seen him in almost a year. And here, here I, so it's like Doug and he's now he's wearing a wig and a beard (laughs) and he was there with the stunt team and I'm like, Oh, Bob, you're, how are you? Hey, Hey, so we have this back and forth. Yeah. And then he looked at me and he said, what are you doing on this? And I said, Oh, I'm, uh, 
he said, are you doing background work? And I said, oh, yes. So he's like, he's like, oh, he made the face. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so, so he said, hey, hey, come to my house. Because uh, he, ha- he has a backyard that's like set up like with all the equipment, all the circus equipment. And st- every Saturday, his backyard is full of stunt people uh, that are practicing and working out. He said, come to my house this Saturday and let's work up a little thing for you to do. Uh, so I did. And, and he I, he knows that I can put my legs behind my head. Oh, my gosh. So uh, <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> so I put both my legs behind my head and was hoisted up by a rope. So I'm suspended in the air in this weird cockamamie position uh, with a sword. And he had another stuntman (laughs) sword fighting me. And he videotaped this in his backyard and showed it to the stunt coordinator on hook. And uh, who then in turn showed it to Steven Spielberg on hook. (laughs) And then the word came back down. Yes, we'd love to give him an upgrade. So I got I got a day as a principal uh, player uh, using my legs to contort around and be funny with. So my my extras job turned into a a real live gig, but, um, so because of that, now I'm getting to Batman returns, uh, because of that connection with Bob Yerkes now, um, uh, here's another God's timing thing. Uh, during this three months, I was working Monday through Friday, every, every week. Uh, I had a Thursday off. So I'm, I'm at home and my phone rings and it's the stunt coordinator for a new movie coming, uh, being produced by uh, Warner brothers. Uh, we got your name from Bob Yerkes. Can you come in and see us today? I'm like, that's the only day I can come <laughs> see you. Yes. So I go into Warner Brothers to the stunt office of this production, and it is Batman Returns. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. So I'm beside myself, uh, and uh, and and so it's just it's the stunt coordinator and one of his uh, um, one of his sidekicks, and he's like, yeah. So show us whatever it is you you do. So. <laughs> I don't have a circus act. Do you have your mime kit? (laughs) (laughs) I have my emergency kit with me. So I start, so I start throwing my limbs around like yada, 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 da, 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 uh, so, so he said, Hey, hang on, hang on. I want you to do that for somebody else real quick. So he runs out out into the hallway, comes back in the room, with Tim freaking Burton. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's I, so cool. This is wild. I, no, no, it's wild. Right. And, and I'm, and by the way, I'm still bearded and, and hair out to here. As so I looked I, like a fright, kind of like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you could give our names to Tim Burton, that'd, that'd be really be great. great. Yeah, yeah, he's got yeah. to type. Right. Mm. Great. So, uh, so, so, uh, so the stunt coordinator says, um, Hey, this is our director, Tim Burton. Show him what you just showed me. Oh my gosh. So here I go. (laughs) 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 And so, so they go, so Tim goes, huh? (laughs) And they, they say, hang on here. We're going to go in the next room and talk about you for a minute. Oh my gosh. So, that was the longest two minutes of my life waiting for Tim Burton and a stunt coordinator to hash it out over what they're going to do with me. They come back into the room and Tim Burton says, congratulations, you got the part. And I said, the part, what <laughs> part was I up for? <laughs> Cause I thought that I was just being called in to do a one day sight gag uh, yeah. for this movie. Uh, but no, it was, I was going to be a member of the red triangle circus gang, which was what, who hung out with penguin, That's right. uh, Danny DeVito. The thin clown. And yep. that means that I worked, uh, uh, they had me, they, uh, they, I signed a seven week contract, uh, to play, um, you know, one of his underlings henchmen in the, I was, I was the, uh, the thin clown is in, in the credits. Yeah. So I was those evil faded, uh, carnies and, um, uh, and Tim Burton, bless his heart, loved having me around. We we hit it off okay, and uh, so he uh, he kept me around. Uh, my seven week contract turned into a fourteen week commitment. Oh. so I ended up working about you know uh, three months that year. And again, talk about saving my nineteen ninety one ninety two. I mean, wow. Doug, this is infuriating, and let me tell you why it's infuriating. It's because <laughs> we have less than twenty minutes left with you because you've got a hard out to do actual real things. <laughs> And, and I, 
Like I could do this all literally day. all day. <laughs> I have so many movies on this list, Doug. Like Mystery Men. I love Mystery Men. But we have to go and talk about Guillermo del Toro. We have to talk about All Star by Smash Mouth, the music video, because he's in it. He's in All Star. Well, yeah. No. Then there's a reason for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when can we the book song, you? Can we pay you a daily rate to just tell us stories all day? Because that's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, I, I was in the movie Mystery Men, and the uh, the, the yes. song All Star by Smasher was used in the film. Yeah. So clips from the film were used in the music video. Yeah. So there was this big crossover thing. Yeah. So I want to I want to ask, and I will later. Like hold me to it. I want to hear about how you got on Mystery Men, what that was like, because that movie bombed at the box office, but it was a cult classic. And I want to oh, talk yeah. about Guillermo del Toro. But I one question in between those, which is, since Batman Returns, you've been on. You've been in so many different movies. I mean, Three Kings is a phenomenal movie. You were in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're in all this stuff. Party of Five. Is there any set that you were on that you were like, man, this is just a real turd. This is terrible. Like, this is going to turn out so bad, but I'm a part of it. I just, I mean, uh, let's just grin and bear it. Oh, yes. Uh, several. Um, and, and most of them, I like the people involved. Uh, but so I can, we don't want to mention titles, but uh, I can mention Bug Buster. <laughs> Not heard of that. I, I, have you heard of? Of course not. Uh, yeah, in Bugbuster, I had the privilege of playing the mother bug. Oh boy! Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I had I had a big hand to hand fight with Randy Quaid in that. Oh uh, my goodness! Yeah, there's there's no that's a it's a the, the premise was these bugs are infesting a small town. Back to Hallmark, uh, and, uh, and and uh, uh, they don't know where they're coming from. What's uh, people are dying? They call in like the Randy Quaid, who's like this general, a former general from the army. And he's like, "Yeah, let's kick some bug butt." Ah! And uh, anyway, people are dying off, and he finally ends up at, at at a cave just outside of town to find the source of the bugs. Gets in the cave by himself. He's a, he's now a one man, you know, a vigilante. Uh, and he finds the mother bug guarding her pile of eggs. That's where I come in. <laughs> so he has his white weapons with him. He has a, a he tries to shoot me with a gun. <clears throat> I don't die from bullets. He then has a flamethrower. <clears throat> I don't die from fire. <laughs> then he has a CO2 gun and tries to shoot me with a, you know, to like to freeze me. <clears throat> I don't freeze. So he's like, throws all his weapons down and he puts his hands in the air. And that's when it gets weird. He says, <laughs> you and me, man, mano y mano. <laughs> uh, so, I have a hand-to-hand -hand fight with, I, I, I'm in a huge giant insect costume. <laughs> so we are, yeah, no, it was, it was just a other tomfoolery and we're bouncing off the walls of a cave and rolling around on the ground and, uh, and at the, uh, now I told Randy ahead of time though, be careful because I have these long pinchers on the front of my, I got six feet pinchers on this, on the edge of uh, the extending on my arms. And they're made of fiberglass. I'm not sure how sharp they are. Oh, don't worry, buddy. I'll be fine. And I can't see you, Randy, because I'm, 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 you know, I was in the neck. I was in the neck of the uh, of the bug like this, and I could barely see through like furry things. Uh, and the head was up here on the top of my own head, uh, so it was a not safe. <laughs> So, so, so once we get going and we're rolling and right and throwing punches and after after the first take, uh, Randy Quaid uh, he assured me, "Don't worry, buddy. Do what you got to do. It's gonna be great." All right. So, uh, so we get out through our first take and we're you know and action, rolling around and fighting and throwing swings and and I end up on top of him on the ground. He's on his back and I'm on top of him, kind of like ah, and that's the end of the of the fight. And, uh, and as they pulled me off of him and put me back on my chair for a little br resting break, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to lean forward onto like a bicycle seat because I had a stinger coming out of my backside. And no, it was, it was We've all been there. humiliating. <laughs> uh, and I, uh, and I, I asked the, the assistant that was helping me get back to my little bug chair, can you check on Randy Quaid? I'm not sure I saw him get up. Oh. And, uh, so, so the, this, this young lady goes over and, and, and I, I'll, next thing I hear from across the cave is Randy Quaid's voice. And he says, Doug, buddy, can you hear me? I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Do what you got to do. You're doing great. <laughs> so I, I, I guess if things are fine, the next voice I heard, uh, you know, two seconds later was a young PA, a young production assistant, a uh, young kid, maybe 20 ish. And he goes, uh, uh, can I, 
Get some ice over here. I can't stop the bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently I had gashed both of Randy's forearms and he was gushing blood. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what a trooper. I'm fine, buddy. Do what you gotta do. Let's go again. I mean, Randy Quay, the ultimate, the consummate actor. Yeah, yeah. Doug, you've worked with legendary directors. I mean, Spike Jones on Adaptation, Barry Sonnenfeld on Men in Black 2, David O. Russell in Three Kings, Spielberg, Burton. I want to ask about all these guys, but I, we have to at some point pivot. How do you meet Guillermo del Toro and how do you become the go-to monster in his universes? Right. You, uh, you, uh, you, uh, you get your name into the Rolodex of every creature shop in, in Los Angeles <laughs> as the tall, skinny, goofy guy who moves well and doesn't complain while in costume. <laughs> And uh, and then uh, when when he's doing mimic uh, reshoots, he shot them. His first American film was Mimic mm-hmm. in 1997 yep. with Mira Sorvino. He uh, uh, shot that up in Toronto. His Canadian actor who played the the, the bug creature in that movie, uh, you know, the kind of the, the big cockroaches that mimicked humans. Um, was a Canadian. And so they're doing reshoot pickup shots here in Los Angeles two weeks before the movie comes out in theaters. It's a rush job to get some insert shots in. And um, so the expense of flying in this this Canadian actor, getting him a work permit, hotels, per diems. What's our cheaper option? Ah, let's go through the Rolodex of tall, skinny guys we have right here in town. Doug Jones comes up. Wow. So I got a phone call. Hey, can you come down to, to the set of this movie shoot tonight? And I was like, out of work actor. Yes, I'm free. So <laughs> I, uh, so I w- it was downtown LA standing on the top of a, of a three-story brick building in the rain. Uh, there was a rain machine just leaning over the edge of the building. And, uh, and that's, that was what I did my first night. They had me come back a second day and a third day. Uh, so I worked on Mimic for three days. And my second day is when I was sat uh, at the lunch table the director sits down directly across from me and it was this very large bearded blue-eyed excited 12-year-old boy in a man's <laughs> body and it, with a with a thick mexican accent and he said so tell me everything you've been in before <laughs> so he wanted to hear about my whole career because he was fascinated with monsters and here i was playing one so I told him my career up to that point, and I had done things like I had done Hocus Pocus by then. I'd done Tank Girl by then. I'd done uh, Warriors of Virtue by then. So I had some things to talk about. And he knew every makeup artist I'd ever worked with. He wow. knew every, yeah, he was like, he knew, he was like, oh, how is he as a person? Nice guy. So he, we had this, we were two like kids talking about monsters and creepy things. So uh, before that was over, he asked for my card. And then um, five years later, Wow. Uh, they're developing the uh, the uh, uh, the monsters for the movie Hellboy, Hellboy One, and at the Creature Shop, uh, the, the 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 designers had done a maquette sculpture of um, Abe Sapien, the fish guy, and uh, they had unveiled it to Guillermo to come have a, an approval look of the, of this design. Guillermo fell to his knees and said, "Oh, you are so beautiful, and I am so fat." <laughs> that's a quote uh and, and um so they so the guys that would design this said you know who's the perfect person to play this is doug jones and uh guillermo said wait doug jones i know doug jones and he pulled my card out of his wallet that i did that, that wow he had for, since for five years oh my gosh yeah so i got so i got a call to come and meet uh meet them to talk about hellboy at played to play Abe sapien so that's how that happened and that's the movie that really committed us to each other as uh, actor director and we developed a shorthand and a and a and a true working working and relationship love for each other you told us this but your your mom pretty religious you're religious and originally Hellboy was out of the question. And then you saw, you read the script, right? Of like, yes. this is more of a redemption story. And that made it a more palatable experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we know when, when I saw the title and the, the lead of the movie is a demon. I'm like, I'm, I, I have to, I have to, how am I going to let him down easy? Is yeah. what I was thinking like, this is a great, I'm so sweet. He came after me, but I can't do it. And then I, I read the script and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, Great. So I, I called Guillermo that night after I got the script and I said, uh, uh, you know, as as a as a man of faith, why? Why? How did you pull this off where you have a demon starring in a movie that uh, that is super not 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 only not offensive, but it's actually, you know, uh, very positive. 
he said, well, it was never meant to offend you, my friend. And he said, he, he told me that, uh, that, uh, we all have carry baggage around with us. We all drag that piano behind us. That is all of our issues. And at some point in our life, we can cut that rope and be free of it. Uh, uh, so who better to exemplify that than a demon from hell with his past and his nature that he brings with him to then do, do good work and be, he was raised by, you know, by professor broom, who is a, you know, a, a very, very, uh, devout Catholic. And, and so he was raised with, with morals and ethics and, and, uh, and integrity. And uh, now he's acting that out. So it's like, so if, if, you know, if a demon can do it, why, you know, this is a good inspiration for us people watching. And I was like, oh, you sold me. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> That's I fantastic. Which, uh, which monster uh, in your career uh, took the longest on a day-to-day -to, -day to get ready from makeup to costume every, every day, waking up? How long did that take and which, which movie was it? Yeah, that would be Hellboy One, uh, the one we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, Abe Sapien was what twelve prosthetic pieces from head to toe, uh, and when I was wearing shorts, you saw a lot of fish man. So uh, that was a seven-hour process every day. Wow! wow. And then you so, acted yeah, all day, so, and then you had to take all of it off. And then that's a two-hour removal as well. So you, how so, much did you sleep? Like five hours? Of, like you couldn't sleep hardly at all. I, I mean, about four hours a night. Yeah, no, wow. it was. Uh, so that's why on set you'd often see me like in the corner. <laughs> wow. you know. Are you? Uh, was there ever? I mean, look, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Shape of Water. These are Oscar caliber movies. Shape of Water won Best Picture. Was there ever a moment that you're on one of his movies and you're like, this is it. This is like, this is the one that's really, really special. They're all good, but like, this is going to like really make, put him on the map. Was there any one that, that stands out? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, I've done, uh, uh, over the past 20 years, I've done six movies and, and a TV show with Guillermo. Uh, and um, it was, uh, when I, when I read the script for Pan's Labyrinth, I wiped a tear away and said, this is a hit. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, and I wasn't wrong, you know, when you cut, cut to a couple years later, we're at the Oscars and there's uh, six nominations and three wins. That was a, that was a good night. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the shape of water, he, uh, we were working on crimson peak at the time. Yeah. This is like, this is January of, uh, February of 2014. And, uh, and Guillermo, uh, on, a, on one of my days off, he called me in to have, uh, to meet him at his office during lunchtime. And he said, Dougie, come in, shut the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being called into the principal's office. <laughs> and he uh, he told me that the next movie he wants to do after Crimson Peak is a smaller a smaller art film again, like like he did with Pan's Labyrinth. And he hadn't done a film like that since Pan's Labyrinth. So I'm like, oh, you, it's time, you need to do this. Uh, then he told me the storyline and said, uh, I want you to be the monster in this. And uh, and he was very, very specific. Dougie, I want you to be the romantic leading man of this movie. <laughs> and he's a fish. So I go, okay, well, wow, there's, a, there's something that only Guillermo del Toro can pull off. So, <laughs> That's so fantastic. I, uh, but but he, he didn't have a script yet at that point. He just told, he just told me, I said, just tell me the whole storyline. And he did. And I was just mesmerized, you know, chin in hands, like just having, having a, story time with Guillermo del Toro and it was just this brilliant and I knew walking out of his office that day years before we even made the movie this is his next trip to the Oscars called it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with uh, 13 nominations and four wins including his his best director and best picture Man. I it was it was a glorious you, ride and you played two parts in Pan's Labyrinth didn't you because you played yeah. the pale man and the fawn right the fawn and the pale man. Yeah, yeah. and the fawn speaks Spanish. That's all you, or do they? You, you oh, there's a toughie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, when when I read the script for for Pan's Labyrinth, and they got back to him and said, "Oh my gosh, yes, thank you so much. Of course, I want to be in this movie." And then he said, "Then I realized it was going to be in the Spanish language." I was like, "Oh, you've got the wrong guy. I can't do that." <laughs> and uh, and so he's like, "Well, you, you can count to ten for all I care. I'll dub over to you later. Don't worry about it." I was like, "Oh." Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 thank you for giving me an out, but, but I thought, gosh, I, I can't leave him with, with my mouth counting to 10 while he has to dub over that. It's going to look like, it's going to look cheesy. And I'm also playing opposite an, an 11 year old girl who speaks Spanish and she would need, she would need the right motivation, the right uh, verbiage to keep her, the scene going, you know, I, I can't do that to another actor. 
So I buckled down and learned the language of the film. I had an English translation, Spanish translation of the script. I broke down sentence structure. I knew exactly what I was saying, and I knew what she was saying. Uh, so that's the hardest thing I've ever done was to learn paragraphs of dialogue. Expo- wow. I had a lot of exposition. Yes, you did. And uh, in Spanish, while wearing a five-hour makeup application with heavy weight on me and yeah, the mechanics massive. going. And- yeah, the pale man just is a day off after that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I imagine when, when you get rolls that are not monsters, you just show up, you get some powder. I imagine it just must feel... <laughs> Like these guys, what, actors, what the big wolf? Like it just has to feel like a day off. Oh yeah, no, right, right. Like yeah, I'm working on an indie right now. Uh, it's called The Knocking, and I play a very evil human in it. Uh, so the worst they have to do is pale my skin a bit, and maybe give me some dark circles under my eyes. And you know, and the makeup artists are apologizing. Sorry, we have to put you through this. I'm like, oh yeah, sweet love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you can handle that. Do we want yeah. a rapid fire real quick? Yeah, we're running out we, of time. yeah, uh, we're gonna do a two minute rapid fire really, really quickly. We're just gonna get. Uh, let's do two. two questions. Yeah, you just gotta uh, answer them whatever as quickly it is. as possible. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's the uh, what's the name of your current car? Uh, oh, oh, uh, 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 Marty. Marty. Marty the Mustang. <laughs> All right, your be- best meal you've ever eaten in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, 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 a chunk of lasagna at Michelli's. Favorite board game? Uh, 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 Monopoly. I don't know really, but yes. <laughs> favorite, uh, favorite Hallmark Christmas movie? Oh, Oh, it's the one. Uh, it's oh, uh, uh, it's, oh, oh, it's uh, it's uh, okay. The titles all all the same. They are. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah. Just give us the plot, really quick. Uh, it's the one where um, uh, 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 Alicia Witt uh, is going home to to, to her her fiance's parents' house. Bumps her head. The wrong house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very uh, merry uh, mix. Very up. merry mix up. That's yeah, it. That's right. Merry merry mix up. Favorite yeah. movie. Yes. The the best movie you've ever seen in a theater. Oh, uh, somewhere in time. Shut up. Wow. Okay. Last yeah, one with uh, uh, Christopher Reeve and, uh, and oh uh, yeah. And uh, best mime move you've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, end end with a little mime. Can you can you whip mime. it out? Just whip it out well, for I a mean, sec. Well, I'm I'm limited with space here, but I'll give you a little wall. Oh, oh look oh, at this that guy. That wall is impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> don't wall, don't right? mind me. That's exactly right. <laughs> Doug, uh, we love you so much, uh, and best, I yeah. think just anytime we uh, we need a, we need somebody, we're just going to call oh on my you because we're going to be able to do this all over again and just do. Well, we, you know, we've got more stories. So any, I have so many more, questions to yeah, ask, Doug. Tons, yeah. yeah, you're the best. We'll see you this holiday season, hopefully, when we can talk about yes, a Hallmark yes, movie. We'll please, make it happen. Please let me do another deck to Hallmark. Oh, with you're, you right in. you're in, absolutely. Sure. Uh, and Doug, uh, it's September, so I feel fine saying this. May we be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Deck the Hallmark is a Bramble Jam podcast. It's presented by Friendly TV and recorded live in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bramble Jam Podcast Network Studios. It's produced by Brandon Gray. You can find out more information at deckthehallmark.com.